Welcome, everybody, to What's in Store, the show where we discuss hot topics at the cross-section of retail and real estate. I'm Carly Iacono, Senior Vice President at CBRE, and I'm joined by Chris Ressa, the COO of DLC. Welcome, Chris. Happy holidays. Great to see you. How are you? Great, great to see you. Happy holidays to you. Thank you. Will you be in the stores this weekend, or is all your Christmas shopping done? All my Christmas shopping's done. I could never leave it to the last minute. It's a personality. Thing. Amazing. So it's done. Most of it's wrapped. I'm, I'm ready. But I have been singing carols and cooking and wrapping since basically November 30th. So I'm good. What? What? Um, yeah. Uh, how about you? I got one big one. I got to make a move to see what I'm doing. Uh, okay. That's that, interesting. Trip. Last minute trip. We'll nice. see. I'll. I'll, I'll tell everyone if that happens or not when I when I, I make the move, but uh, most of it's done. We've been pretty festive. We had a Christmas party for friends. We're hosting Christmas. Love it. Tis Where are you going? I planned a trip for my kids as a present, but I can't tell you yet because they, of course, watch what's in store. So that will have to be an update on the next one. Amazing. But, Is it a, yeah. you get on a plane? Yes. Yes. And they don't know. Amazing. So it's going to be fun. All right. Let's jump into it. Everyone sure. tuning in, we are happy to have you, especially given the holiday week. So thanks for spending some time to talk about retail and real estate. What more exciting things could we cover? This is a particularly fun episode, not just because I'm wearing a Santa hat, but because we are covering our top five retail predictions for 2023. And if you recall, when we did our recap last month, we really hit them on the, the nail on the head for our predictions for this year. So hopefully we're going to do the same. So stay tuned um, and we'll do a recap at the end of next year to see if we were right. All right. Top five predictions for 2023. We are going to go in reverse order. Although Chris and I don't exactly agree on the order of these. We're going to we're going to follow Chris's order in case you were wondering which <laughs> I thought were the most important. It's a different order, but that's okay. Here we go. All right. Number five. I feel like we need a, a drum roll. Number five. Cross-selling is going to increase. Now, I'm going to just what we mean by this. Cross-selling can be lots of different things, but I think we think that cross-selling will increase in two ways. Across multiple platforms and across industries. Chris, you want to kick off with your your thoughts and then I'll jump in? Yeah. When, when I think of the cross-selling, I think we're, we've just scratched the surface of the online mobile slash in-store and there are going to be continued innovations and continued efficiencies that come online that make the experience, the ho more holistic experience in this digital physical or as they call fidgetal buying. And it's really a factor of technology being in place. And that's a whole nother episode we can dive into the different technology pieces that we're seeing. But we'll give you a, a quick example, a really basic one, Amazon having their own credit card. So if you have an Amazon credit card, you know you can get 5% off by using their credit card. That's a cross-selling of industries, right? Retail and finance. So that is a, a loyalty mechanism, which benefits a consumer, leads 
to more purchases on their particular platform. And then they also get, of course, fees from the credit cards. So it's a, I think, a mix of a way for retailers to increase loyalty and for consumers to benefit in maybe atypical ways across industries. Sure. And then the, the platforms is, is sort of a different angle that could encompass your social selling, your targeted, unique customer experience. I, I heard this great phrase in an article I was reading, the modernized customer journey. I was like, oh, what a nice way to say that we have a ton of data on consumers and retailers are able to target, right? right. Selling, but it's it's really the consumer is getting a benefit too because they're finding new products, they're having a, a better shopping experience because they're being presented with things that they likely are going to like better. Yeah, I, what what we're starting to see, and I think is going to happen. So that's the across platforms. I think from the conversion to digital physical, one of the things we're going to see a lot of is incentivizing people to the store because it's more profitable purchase for many retailers or for profitable sale for many retailers. So I think you're going to see a lot of marketing through the online, the perusing the website, the social channels, and that's going to drive traffic, foot traffic to stores because of deals in store. There's obviously going to be deals online, but you're going to see deals in store. And then hopefully there's that halo effect when people do that and they go to the store. Completely agree. It's one intertwined web of advertising, um, media, and selling. So yes. I think that's certainly going to continue. All right. Are you ready to move on to number four? I am. All right. Consolidation is our number four, or as Chris likes to say, the big will buy the small. Yeah. So when I say this, I, I'm not talking about store closures, just the opposite. Because of the lack of vacancy and the need to grow. And then coupled with construction costs and financing costs, especially in the franchise world, you're going to start to see a lot of the big, maybe the hundred store chain buys the three store chain and it's a way for them to grow because it is, they're struggling to find the space to open new locations because of all the leasing that's been done in the last 24 months and the lack of closures. So, and I think you're going to start to see, especially in the franchise world, you know, obviously there's big news on the Kroger Albertsons out there. And if that deal happens, you know, there's that piece. But I, I think on the, you know, in the franchise world, you're going to see a lot of smaller franchises maybe monetize that position and it'll help some of the bigger guys grow where they're looking for space and can't find it. I completely agree. I think the only contrarian view to that is in the public market. So I expect, and I think this is a widely held belief as well, that M&A activity on a more institutional level will likely be down, like we said, yes. at the end of 2022. And that's largely due to the cost of capital. The capital markets. Right? If you can't meet a certain return because of the cost of capital and leverage is not accretive to the deal, it becomes really hard to make those numbers pencil out. So I yep. think I think it's it's really a tale of two markets, right? We're going to see consolidation in the private market, franchisee driven, smaller businesses, absolutely. But the larger M and A transactions, the real big headlines, probably not until twenty twenty four. Are they going to yep. come back? I agree. All right, let's move on to number three. Tenant renewals will skyrocket. 
is a good yeah thing. i i the we're already seeing it in numbers but the cost to relocate a store is getting high and even if it wasn't there's nowhere for anyone to go in a given market given occupancy so high so you're going to see renewal spreads and renewal rents rise i, I said the word skyrocket because of a lack of optionality that was once here in the mid 2000s is, is not okay. and it, it's really getting hit by both sides we have tenants expanding we have very low deliveries for the last three years so vacancy is low in most markets and yep. then you have construction costs as well yes so all these factors come together and it just it doesn't make sense for tenants to move or they just don't have any options even if they wanted to so yeah I think that's a great message for landlords that it's going to be a very strong leasing year, which yeah. is wonderful from the investment side. For sure. All right, we're cruising on through. Number two, mm, this is one near and dear to my heart, the recalibration of capital markets. This is uh, something we're living every day. So of course, we are seeing a shift in capital markets because of the historically fast increase in interest rates, change of investment. Wait, interest rates are rising? Uh, well, I think they're going to. I heard that. <laughs> I heard that rumor. They might, maybe, sometime continue, unfortunately. Um, so, right, this is not a new message. But what is new is I think uh, the markets were holding out. We didn't see the price discovery come as quickly as we had thought, but it's it's certainly happening now. Um, the stat that CBRE just put out was that cap rates are up an average of 100 basis points across all asset types from the peak at the beginning of 2022. So uh, across the last three quarters, we're now seeing cap rates up an average of 100 basis points. So that's material. And of course, as interest rates and cap rates go up, values go down. So it is impacting asset valuations across the board. Um, with rate increases next year expected to continue potentially another 50 to 75 basis points, that's going to lead to another 5 to 7% average decrease in valuations. So we've got some work to do um, on the capital markets and, and making deals sort of adjust to market. Uh, and I think because of that, because of the change in valuations, we're going to see less investment activity as buyers are waiting for pricing to change. Sellers are hoping that it doesn't and it's not true. And we have a lot of uh, uncertainty still on where everything's going to settle out. So well, let me ask you just from what you're seeing, what cap rates have held? Low price point deals, fast food restaurants, 7-Elevens, deals that are often purchased all cash. I would say anything three million and under, there are still a lot of cash buyers coming out of exchanges who aren't worried about financing and they like the, the tenant, they like the location. Now, these are the stronger deals with stronger underlying real estate fundamentals. So the good locations, the strong tenants, the 20 year leases, things that investors can get behind and say, you know, maybe my, turn, my return's a little bit lower, but I don't have to deal with the volatility in the stock market if I buy this. I can project what my income will be over a longer term horizon and kind of ride this next wave out. So pricing on those deals has held the best. Um, on the flip side, I think anything with 
any amount of risk in it, or I should, everything has a little bit of risk, but higher profile risk or higher risk deals have been hit more because people are really only buying cash if they feel that the stability warrants that. In Is the 1031 market going to be smaller, bigger in 2022, uh, 2023? That's an easy one. Definitely lower. It's already lower very significantly. Um, I think we're about 30%, just throwing numbers out. Um, transaction velocity of 1031 buyers lower than we were at the beginning of the year. Wow. So it's already come down significantly. And remember, this is all driven by the sale typically of other asset classes. So if apartment sales are down, if industrial sales are down, that's going to flow directly into retail and at least because that seems to be the way that capital flows is from the other asset classes into retail and at least. Of course, it can go the other way as well, but that's sort of the historic pattern of equity. Sure. Yep. Okay. Good so insights. there is a little bit of good news. Uh, there is a ton of dry powder on the sidelines and we have new investors coming into retail because they're looking for upside. They're looking for diversification. So the asset class, I think, has really been time tested throughout the pandemic and performed better than anyone expected. So we do have new entrants into retail that were historically only interested in other asset classes. So I think with the real estate fundamentals remaining strong, which they, they really are for retail, it's fantastic with high rents, the tenants are performing well, all of those things coming together along with new buyer demand. I do think that once we get a little bit of price discovery going, the, the asset class will remain very strong. Yeah, the, the, the fundamentals of retail real estate are, you know, really excellent right now, especially compared to previous eras. So I am bullish about that. You know, you've got functionally obsolete space coming off the market, whether it's repurposed or what have you. You've got low, low new construction of building of new space. So if we were once overstored, we certainly aren't anymore given those two factors. And, you know, kind of the washout of, you know, retailers who were performing poorly Pre-COVID, a lot of them got washed out and you're, you know, you're seeing um, the ones who made it through are, you know, if you can make it through COVID, you know, hopefully you can make it through a lot of things. So, Exactly. I think we're in a much better place than anyone expected. Thank yeah. you. Guys. All right. Our number one and final prediction for 2023. I, I am. This is a Chris, I, I this is a Chris prediction. I think. Uh, Traffic at retail properties is going to be up much more than people think year over year in 2023. And the, the, the under, to me, it's pretty binary, which is we have had as an industry you know, record leasing in 22. So and for those who don't know, that's, you know, landlords and retailers signing leases for stores to open, but given all the challenges, whether that was supply chain permits, labor, whatever it might have been, there's a lot of delays in stores opening. Most of those stores, you know, if it was signed, you know, post April, a lot of those stores are opening in 23. So we're going to have all these new stores opening that all these consumers are going to want to go check out. You know, we're not economists. I don't know about consumer spending, but more people are going to properties because all these new stores are coming that aren't there today. 
with a lot of newness coming. All these landlords reinvested in their centers. They're more vibrant. They they put money into their exteriors and the common area, made them better, and they're bringing all these new tenants to properties. I think a lot of people are going to go to retail properties. And it sounds like the customer experience is dramatically improved. Like sure. you said, facades have been redone. New tenants are there. Existing space has been reimagined because, as we said at the beginning, tenants aren't moving. They're putting money into their existing stores. So the shopping experience is improving. The million dollar question is, are the consumers going to be spending or are they just going to be scouting, enjoying their day and, and cruising around? So that's the only I'm TBD. I'm a little more bullish, especially on the second half of next year. I'm a little more bullish mm -hmm. on it. And, you know, I think it's, you know, in particular on the, you know, I, I focus a lot on the open air value or solely on open air value retail. I think that's going to be really strong in the open air world. So I think so will, too. It's definitely we'll where the traffic is going. Look All right. Look for traffic. I, th I agree. It's going to be an interesting year for retail from that perspective, for sure. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our top five retail predictions for 2023. We wish you all a fantastic holiday, no matter what you celebrate, and a wonderful new year. We look forward to seeing you again in January. Thanks so much, Chris. Great to Thanks. see you. Thanks, Carly. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to everyone. Thanks so much. And that was What's in Store with Carly and Chris. We'll see you again next year. Hey,